Welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast with me, Sean Anderson, the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media. This is the show where I bring to you stories from recruitment owners, leaders, suppliers, investors from around the world who are prepared to give up some of their time to, to share what it's really like um, driving the growth of progressive, ambitious recruitment companies um, all over the planet. Uh, today, I'm live on LinkedIn Live. It's Thursday morning. It's eight o'clock. I'm joined by Pete Mint R2R Watson. Pete, welcome. It's always a pleasure to be my co-host on a Thursday. Good morning and good evening. How are we all? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Good morning, good evening. Just Wait, looked- that was smooth, wasn't it? That was smooth by I've, me. Look, I've totally looked at it my, from my perspective. Eight o'clock LinkedIn Live. It's nice. It's, it's yeah. seven o'clock, isn't it? Absolutely. It's seven. It is. Yeah. Got to look at both sides. Um, Pete, always good to have you on. Um, and today, we're, we're, dis- we're both delighted to be, be joined by Paul Donovan. Um, Paul is the director of Victoria at Bluefin Resources, who I've been told are the number one specialist recruitment agency in Australia. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't know Bluefin. I've not dealt with anyone in the business before. So um, it's a pretty big statement to hit me with early this morning. But I'm excited to find out why. Paul, welcome on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to be here. Love it, love it. Well, um, we're going to get into all sorts of stories about about um, that bold statement you just made. But uh, before before we do, can you do us a favor and just give us an intro? Let's let the listeners who might not know about you or the business tell us who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, so yeah, obviously, as my name tag goes, I'm uh, Paul Donovan, uh, Director for Bluefin here in Victoria. Been in recruitment for 20-odd years now. Uh, and yeah, so I'm really excited to hear the sort of questions I'm going to face today. I've seen the previous podcasts. I've got a lot to live up to. <laughs> um, my first question is, when did you start speaking Australian? When did you start picking up the accent? Because you, oh, you've really, like 50, oh, that, that's, that's a really good question. I, yes, I didn't notice it, but I think it was when I was fairly early on uh, and I was Skyping my friends or mates back at home and they just hung it on me like relentlessly. Mm. And I didn't hear it for ages. And then suddenly now, every now and again, I go, bloody hell, I actually sound really, really Aussie. It was quick. I'll tell you, within six months or so. So have you done done about 10 years there now? Yeah, uh, coming up to 11 years, yeah, in in Aussie, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's understandable, isn't it? But Pete, how many years have you done? You sound as more Cumbria every day, I think. Well, I I work very hard to retain my northern accent. Uh, Every morning I stand in front of the mirror and I say something in Cumbrian. Um, I still, I still can't bring myself to say good day because I just feel like a dick. Good yeah. day. Whereas Paul, Paul does, Paul does it very well. Yeah, no, I think that was one of the first things I adopted. Good day. Yeah, just like no, the bank. No, the, one thing, the one that I, I think is the telling tale. The one where you've, you've made it to being an Aussie or not is when you say, "How are you going?" Instead of "How are you doing?" That's the one. If you say, I mean, do, you, "Do you guys say that now?" Would that be a yeah, phrase? You've got to shorten it into just one, one thing. How are you going? Yeah, but that's the yeah, one. Like, there is no, it's a seamless word. It's, it's like maybe like three words in one. You just yeah, got to do it. Like that. Yeah, but to me, it's still like, you know, it's how are you going? It's like, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, you don't say, what are you going? Yeah. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's just but anyway. thing then, and you have to go, yeah. All right, well. You don't really know what that question means. It could mean anything. <laughs> anything you want it to be. Anything you want it to be. Exactly. Um, I remember when I came back from Australia, though, I said the word mate a lot. I, I mean, we say it in England, obviously, but. I remember Barnaby Parker, who was my was my boss, ex um, ex Eton, and I was I was sat there in Melbourne, and I was I was doing my interviews to come back to the UK from um, from there. I remember I'd never met anyone called Barnaby in my life anyway. Like you know, it's just one of them names you don't get them in Manchester really. And uh, and when he when he, he get him anywhere, do you? <laughs> well, he said at the end of the interview, he went, "Christ, you say mate a lot, don't you?" I was like, "Do I?" <laughs> I was like, I don't know. So I think that slowly died a bit after I came back um so Paul tell us a story like what what took you to Australia yeah I think well like uh, most people you sort of I was in recruitment for 10 years uh in the UK um and it was like well what's what else is out there so put my hand up for a, a few jobs end up in Brisbane first of all which was uh which was really exciting um and then yeah with the same company moved to moved to Melbourne um yeah haven't looked back since i think yeah is there any sense of adventure really i think and it was such good such good fun and then you live here then you settle here then you become part of the the furniture and the and the adventure so yeah that was 11 years ago so yeah what was your life like were you were you like single were you married or what what was your life married uh, married, young kid um living in london um yeah and then 
that was it. One day I was like, well, let's 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 do it. Like most people, uh, I think I wasn't traveling though. I had a sort of a job, but it was one of those almost impulsive moments. Like there's mm. got to be something else out there. So and then yeah, jumped on the plane I, and did I, it. I, I have a client who happens to be Australian, and and he has a, a very firm theory that he sticks to because we are all three of us in this conversation. We are all. Poms who moved to Australia at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. And he has an opinion that every UK recruiter who comes to Australia is running away from something. <laughs> I do know what you mean by that. I do know. I, I met a lot of people out there that when you scraped under the surface, there was quite a lot of reasons they left. Like, you know, like they had credit card debt or they, they'd done something that was that was really quite... Like one guy told me he had 35 grand credit card debt and just ran off. And I was like... I think you're right. I think that's quite a common story. I, you know, yeah. people were looking to do something different. But I was also a bit older. I think it was in my early 30s. And, and yeah. it was like, well, that's, you know, let's give it a crack. So... Do you know what? I think that was the problem with my, my time in Melbourne was I was 25... I turned 25 in Melbourne and I was single and I'd been living in Sheffield for six years and it's it's not Cumbria, but it's probably not much different. And it it's one of them places, right, where you'd walk down the street as a single guy and there'd be women everywhere and you'd be shouting at each other and you get in a bar and it was just carnage, right? And it was, I was just used to it. And then I'd been to Asia on the way, which was even more carnage. And then I found once I settled in Melbourne, it was really, it was just quite settled. Like I think at, at the age I am now, 34, you know, if I had a partner and a young child, I think it's the it probably is the perfect place to to stop and and to build your life. But I found it a little bit tame. I just found it. I wanted to like slap people in the street and just wake them up. Well, you didn't go for a beer of me. That's why you found it tame. Yeah, must have been. Must have been. So why Brisbane at the start? Ah, it was just something different. It it really was. I mean, I had sort of sort of different offers and and different conversations going around at the time, and I thought. And obviously drawn to the uh, drawn to the weather, which was uh, which was good. Um, I thought working in London for all those years, try something mm-hmm. completely polar opposite. Um, yeah, it was fun, um, but yeah, Melbourne soon came calling, and that's sort of you know where I ended up. Was that the business driving that, or you to move to Melbourne? Oh no, so yeah, so worked for the same business in in Brisbane, then then moved to uh, Melbourne. Yeah, but was that your decision, or were they, did they say there's an opportunity? Yeah, no, very much. Yeah, there's an opportunity. Can you uh, come and have a have a crack at uh, something in Melbourne? So that was, you know, a bit of a call to the ego, if you like. But a, a big, did mm. bigger team, bigger stuff. But yeah, no, uh, didn't regret it for a second. Uh, although my uh, the winters here in Melbourne, yeah, I do regret that sometimes because in Brisbane it's never winter. No, people don't realise that over in the UK, do they? They think it's just all beaches and sunny surfing all day, but it's not. But what was it like? What was it like living in Brisbane? Was it was that? Did you enjoy that? Heat yeah, I think it was good fun, and I made some I made some good friends. But yeah, for me, it was um, you know coming from London and and all those years, it was a little bit felt a little bit a little bit small. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, no, great fun. Uh, yeah, as I said, like the weather is unbeatable. But for me, yeah, the draw of doing something a little bit bigger in in Melbourne was just too much to refuse. Makes sense. So, Pete, tell us the story how you two came into contact back in the day. Well, we touched on this earlier. I, I can't. I, I can't actually remember, to be honest with you. I, 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 suspect, I suspect Paul just uh, knew of me by reputation. Yeah, bad. I, I, I had a bad reputation. Everybody told him to avoid me, uh, but I some I somehow found him. Um, but I think um, you were you were my candidate, weren't you, Paul? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry. I do remember. It's all slowly coming back to me. I think the business that you worked for previously, they sold or they something happened, and then it was one of those situations where there was uh, quite a few recruiters from that business suddenly hit the market. The usual rhetoric bonfire commences. Um, it's like you'd see who can get people on the phone the fastest, and I was lucky enough to get you on the phone. I think we might have met previously. And then you were um, stupid enough to make me for a coffee, but it all worked out well, didn't it? Because I placed you into Bluefin. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, well, almost eight years ago now, mate. You're 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 one of my most successful placements, I, I mm. dare say. There's there's a big call. Wow, thank you. It was uh, and probably true, yeah. But thank you. Probably true. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit about Paul Donovan, Sean, if I may. Mm. He's one of the um, He's one of those people who is always annoyingly upbeat and positive, glass half full. Not annoyingly, he's just uh, he's just upbeat and, and positive 
And one of his one of his quirks, which I love, by the way, is that when you, <laughs> I know when what's coming. You, I know what's coming. When you ring him, instead of just answering the phone and saying, "Oh, hello, Pete. How are you?" He has been known on many occasions. He'll answer the phone, actually singing, and actually singing your name, which is a rather unique quirk. Which no, uh, yeah. I don't know. Anything. And it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, he, he could have had like the worst morning ever, but he still picks up the phone singing, which I think is brilliant. And and keep keep doing it, Donovan. It's awesome. Probably why oh, he's done so well in recruitment. Probably why, done, probably why he's done so well in recruitment, right? You're able to separate the shit and and pick yourself up. Yeah, well, and uh, actually, I did a, a podcast with Pete actually, and was very grateful for doing it. But I think yeah, one of the things I've just always thought or just felt is um no matter how bad the day is what's going on look we were in recruitment right bad stuff happens all the time uh, but i think if you can face it with that, that real positive attitude it, it really does help and sometimes you might be you know talking to pete or you might be talking to you know someone of your consultants or someone else who's had a really bad day and you know if you can bring that extra bit of positivity to it um you know it makes me feel good but uh, hopefully it makes them feel good but my singing is atrocious by the way so do not it is even, yeah yeah, exactly. Don't don't ask me to sing anything. It's more about spontaneous. Yeah. Any word, any word, I'll I'll happily sing it. But ask me to sing a song, absolutely nowhere. Yeah, so it's got to be it's got to be on your terms, Paul. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, always, always. <laughs> I love it. So so tell us a bit about that move. So why why did you, you mentioned they they were sold? But what my what's going through my head is why didn't you start your own business at the age you were? Like, what was the reason you didn't? start an agency because it's quite classic isn't it you, you sell out of one company you're mid-30s you, you know your stuff you've been in the game long you you start your own business tell us what was going through your head at that point yeah it was it, that's, that's a fantastic question i think at, at the time just I, I, I was nowhere near ready you know i'd been in australia for, for two years um i really wanted to see what else i i could do and 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 sort of grow a grow a business um <laughs> without still throwing everything that i owned into it um and that's the honest answer um, but no, I sort of, I, I sort of toyed with it, but, um, and then I met James, my boss, James Hone, the owner of Bluefin, and within about four minutes, I was like, absolutely, I'm working for this guy. Yeah. All right. So tell us a bit about the business that you joined then. What, paint the picture for everyone listening. What was it like at the time? Well, Bluefin, as, uh, as, uh, I correctly said, Australia's number one, uh, specialist recruitment business. Uh, at the time, Sydney, Sydney was, and, and is a powerhouse of recruitment. It's, um, it, like, it was doing amazingly well. I took over a business in Melbourne that perhaps wasn't doing as well. Um, and then I was given, you know, pretty much carte blanche to go and go and sort of put my stamp on it with the, with the Bluefin, you know, values and, uh, and stuff running through it. And it was great, daunting, uh, very daunting. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I said, like, James Hone, my boss, um, gave me complete faith. Uh, from day one, it was a bit mental. Um, but no, but I'll tell you about the interview in, in a minute. But I mean, it was like amazing. Like you walk into a room, you go, do you know what? This guy, I'm good. This is this is like he could sell anything, but not in a not in a cheesy sales way. But he made you yeah. believe like you are. This is what you're the person I want, and this is where we're going to drive the business forward. In eight years, I sit later. I'm going like, how on earth did that happen? What what am I doing? Uh, but no, yeah. So um, yeah, so. That was it. Was a great. It's been a great journey, you know, from uh, for a business that wasn't perhaps doing as well as it should do to you know the heights of or sort of where, what we've reached. And you know, we will talk about COVID later. But it's been a fantastic journey, and one I would not change for anything. So, tell us, well, how big was the company, and how big was the Melbourne office? Like, what you say it wasn't performing very well, but <clears throat> can you give us a bit more detail on that? Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, uh, and I think sometimes you get uh, businesses that are, uh, is it was a remote office or satellite office um and with sort of no management in it and the, the, the two directors who are my my colleagues and peers now were doing a fantastic job i think they just needed somebody on on the ground to drive it forward and, and bluefin's offering um it, it is superb but i think at the time there was wasn't enough people to drive that message forward in in, in the melbourne market um yeah and it you know performance you know performance in terms of the billings and all that sort of stuff it, it was absolutely nowhere it needed to be but you know when you're given the absolute belief by somebody that this is the business that you can run and, and drive it forward. It was, and I say this, it was, I say pretty easy. It wasn't, uh, but it was a delight and a joy to sort of being at, be allowed to, you know, transform a business in, in, in your own way with the absolute support and guidance of, you know, a mothership business that is, you know, was in Sydney and is in Sydney, like an absolute powerhouse. So it was, 
it was great fun to be able to do that and to give the, uh, if you like, the poetic license to go to the Melbourne market and at the time disrupt a few things. So what did you do? To, to, like, I, I'm just in my head now going, this sounds amazing, but like, how did you do it? Like, give us a bit of detail. Like, what's the first thing you actually did when you took that job? I didn't meet any of, uh, I, this is rant, or this is like, this is probably not the best advice I could give anyone, but I didn't meet any of the people who were in there apart from the current manager. Right. Uh, and it was a bit, it was a bit of a calculated risk, but I think it was done with, if I'm going to do this and, you know, I've been given the confidence to, to run a business, I want to be able to do it in, in my own way. And one of the reasons was like, I don't want to have any preconceived notions of the people who are here. Um, so yeah, I went in, that was the, that was the first thing. And, and I asked, uh, I remember this to this day, I asked two questions. I got everybody individually into a room and I asked two questions and I said, clients or candidates, how, how, is, how do you run your desk? How do you run your business? If you could only do one thing and talk to one person, would it be a client or would it be a candidate? And, and, some, of the, and some of the guys at the time knew the answer and some of them just didn't. And that was to me like, well, I'm not sure you 100% know your market and what you, what you want to do. Um, and it was great and some very honest opinions and I had my views of what I wanted and expected and and pretty quickly within sort of six months the business was uh, the person I had were, were different. It's not to say they, they weren't bad, they just just not what I think were, were expected at, at the time. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it, was, it, it was interesting. But yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, number one, if you're going to join a business that you're going to take over, meet everyone. Uh, mm. And number two, make sure you've got a better question than clients or candidates. <laughs> <laughs> it's often, often direct question. I'm just, it, I always think like, I don't know, I, I'll, to put, put into my story a little bit, like I, I hit the point when, in my business where, well, in the agency I work for, where they, they, they asked me to be a manager and like, you know, stop billing and properly drive the contract business. This was a year before I actually left and started my business. Um, and it nearly stopped me from ever starting my business because I kind of enjoyed it. I got into a bit of a flow with it after about six months. The first few months, I really struggled. I was like, why are they asking me to do this? Like it literally halved my, my salary pretty much overnight um, with, with the chance of making it at the end of a year bonus, whereas I was on a contract commission that was incredible. <clears throat> and I was... I didn't know who was driving this, like whether it was a genuine driver for me or was it just for the business or whatever. But once I got into it, um, I quite enjoyed it. And it was a bit like Pep Guardiola had just started at Man City at the time, 2016. And um, I'm a big Man City fan. And I kind of, what I loved is if, I don't know if, you, if you're a football fan or not, but if you watch... Well, Chelsea fans, there's anything called that football at the moment. I'm not sure, yeah. But if you, yeah, they, they just fire managers every five minutes. Don't follow what they do. But if you if you look at what, what, what Pep did, he did... He did five six years in barcelona he then took a year out went to new york then he went to bayern munich did his three years then he came to city and i kind of saw the management role of being able to do that where you could literally go and do three years in a business you could build a function and then you could bugger off to australia and do it again or you could move to singapore and you you're not tied necessarily by the contractors the candidates and the clients because your role is you're an enabler aren't you rather than the doer um and i i don't think a lot of people see it that way like, I don't think a lot of people see it like, you know, it's a, it's a genuine career path. So many people in, get to that point, they go, I've got to start my business or, you know, it's a waste of time. Oh, no, I think that, and that's a really good point. And, uh, and I'm going to um, give Pete a big up here as well. We, uh, I did a podcast with Pete around uh, management and leadership. Um, yeah, and it's at, like, it's fantastic, you know, to see people develop and help people and grow their career and take genuine satisfaction in seeing somebody succeed um is for me like uh, well absolutely you know one of the reasons why I, I do this job but I think yeah uh and harking back to Pete's podcast you've got to really understand why you want to do that um and of course yeah the rewards are fantastic um you know financially and all that sort of stuff but if you're not into it and you don't want to you don't want to do it and you're half-assed you'll fail misery but yeah no, I, I look at um you say Pep I look at Jose that you know Jose Mourinho is like mm. he he took some really not that great teams with loads of money but I uh, and achieved fantastic things. But that mindset around, I'm always going to do well, I'm always going to help people, I'm always going to achieve something. In recruitment and management, like if you don't have that, then, yeah, you might as well not get out of bed. And, th and, that, and that ties in with your question, Sean, to Paul about you know, how he turned that office into such a successful office from where it was. And, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll speak on your behalf here, Paul. Because you might be too modest to do so yourself. 
I, I, I think that's the reason behind the success of your office because you do you do genuinely care or you manage with care and you you, you care about your people. The people that I, I know for a fact, the people who work for you love working for you. Um, and I also know from experience that most people I send down for an interview at Bluefin, you know, most of them come out saying that they want to work for you and they want to work at Bluefin. So that, you know, you, you know take, take the kudos. That's, that's going to be a big part of the success of an office, right? The person who's running it. Um, and in this instance, it's, it's the singing maestro Donovan himself. <laughs> I, 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 uh, singing, I won't take maestro. No, but you're right. I mean, I think the, um, yeah, I think, yeah, the underlying thing to the desire to see people succeed. I mean, recruitment can be a very, very cutthroat business. And, you know, we're all here to hit a number at the end of the day. But if you can, you know, I dare say inspire or, or drive people on to do that, you know, that's part of, part of any of the role that, you know, that I'm lucky enough to do. I'm interrupting this episode of the RAG podcast to bring you a message from our sponsor, Audro. You know by now that Audro are the number one video interview platform for recruiters around the world. Now they keep bringing out new features from Audro Capture to Audro Producer, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. But now recently they've just announced a new feature to the platform, which is a complete game changer. During COVID-19, they realized that the recruitment audience, the communication was changing. Globally, their clients and candidates were, were using Microsoft Teams and Zoom more than anything else. The phrase, let's jump on a Zoom call or jump on a Teams call has actually replaced the, the words video interview for a lot of their conversations over the last six months. Now, they were thinking, do we, I mean, how are we going to eradicate this? How are we going to make Audro the name that everyone talks about for, for the interview process? And they realized they didn't need to. They needed to integrate. So for the first time ever, they, they're the first video interview platform on the planet that have decided and managed to integrate with Zoom and soon to be integrated with Microsoft Teams. So with one click after recording a Zoom video, you can now drag that into Audro and create everything else that Audro has from adding the CV, the heat maps, the capture, and the producer elements. You get all the benefits of Audro before and after the interview, but you get to use Zoom, which is client-friendly on all levels. So this is massive. Teams is coming. It's the first time anyone's ever done it in our sector, and it is literally going to change the way you work in 2021. Get in touch with my friends over at Audro at audro.co.uk, or if you're already a user, reach out to your account manager to make sure you've got this feature. Together, next year is going to be an even stronger for the remote industry across the recruitment space. Back to the show. So talk us through then the, the, the following few years. Like, How did the business progress? You got yourself under the bonnet. You, you changed a bit of personnel. Um, what did you bring to this office that potentially wasn't there before? I think an element of not having really any, any any fear, but at the same time not not losing like what I what I wanted to in in a recruitment business, which was you know fun, success, high performance, um, an identity. Um, and I think it's fair to say that sort of when you know, I first joined Bluefin, we, like a lot of the candidates I would interview would go like Blue Who, and and that was in Melbourne. That that was fine, but I think overall it was. It was you know not losing what's true to yourself. You know, I'm, I really in, I really enjoy recruitment I've been for twenty odd years, and I, and I and I love it, and the passion for doing that, um, which I, I think I brought to the floor and still bring to the floor every day, was probably the overriding thing. And I think as well, it was a real understanding about what we want, where do we sit in the market, what do we do, who could we, um, not who do we compete against, because I, I don't think that's the right thing, but you know, having your own identity ar around that, and um, and not being afraid. Uh, to challenge your, your your clients and candidates every day, uh, and I think there's an element of I suppose subservience to to what we yeah what I was happening in the Melbourne market at the time or office at the time. We were like, yeah, well, you you're great. Stand up for what you want and and drive that forward. Uh, and that's uh, you know how you know how that performance became quick and 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 great hires. I mean, it's great to be sitting and go, oh, you know what, it was a bit rubbish when the first hired and we came good. But you know what? Very, very lucky to hire some very good people who are still with me, you know, now. Um, and nothing can, you know, underestimate somebody who is going to work for you five, six years and drive revenue bill big, but also beat your side, you know, sometimes if it's not as great as it as it as it could be, that I think that loyalty and that and that hiring, I was very being very lucky uh, to have uh, some amazing people work with me. 
What was your most difficult period in the first few years? Like, tell us something that wasn't mm. didn't go very well. Like, you know, everyone. <clears throat> what I love about this show and 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 what I've listened to on Pete's show is that it's not just about glamorizing oh. it. It's telling it's telling the truth, right? So, what what went on? What went on that wasn't necessarily so good for you, or made it was difficult? The first, first couple of years was 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 really tough, um, and um, I don't think, like to think I've got a huge ego. Some people might disappear, but, but I think the um, the the seeing the Sydney office like at the time was just going bonkers, like going off. And I'm sitting here with four or five people going, right, this is what we're <laughs> going to do. That was that was pretty hard to see that how that goes, but also I think as well, um, genuinely getting the right people into the business um the, the the cultural element of hiring uh for bluefin has always been like high up there but you know high culture high performance and i think the first year i took it from a, a, the melbourne office from a, from a, a bit of a loss to a, to a profit and then the year after it was it was bigger then it was like the challenge for me was how do i grow it how do i grow it without compromising what what i thought was the the right way um yeah and just just growth it was really difficult I would probably spend 80 to 90% of my time interviewing um, and thank God I feel like, you know, Peter McGorner who were out there, you know, spiriting uh, Bluefin because at the time I said earlier on, like Bluefin in Melbourne were like, who, like, Blue who? Bluefin? Yeah, I, I and you know, when you, when you interview somebody, go, oh, yeah, of course I've heard about you and you go, no, you haven't. Mm. Uh, and that was a real challenge for the first couple of years, uh, you know, just the brand and, and the name in the market and to encourage those people a, a, across to us um so if, yeah for the first two years it was literally how do i grow this by hiring the right people really what, what would you say the dna of the people you're looking for was high performance um people who are and and i i, I this is the thing that really i think defines a, a great recruiter whatever level people who, who can take direction in in the right way like i will sit with the two, two of my divisional managers here in belief and they've got 20 years experience you can talk Sit down and go okay well let's try this and they won't go well i've got 20 years experience why would i try that they would go that's a really that, let's do it so i think that um then the lack of ego um is, is super important i mean i've hired some mentally brilliant recruiters but what they don't bring through the door is that ego and i tell you if they did they would probably last about four four minutes um that's the dna i think and and just this just understanding why you do recruitment and what is your motivation now, it doesn't matter what the motivation is if you can understand it you can tap into it and and, and really push that forward but uh, under on it all and, and you say icing but you know james as well i think when i say fun um one of our values at bluefin uh and which we really stick close to is we laugh um like recruitment can be shit. like it's you know the old adage champagne and razor blades but at bluefin you celebrate every success um and really and and enjoy each other's success I know when I was running a desk, I'd be like, oh, God, that guy's put a deal up. I want to go and put two. Whereas Bluefin's like, well done for putting that deal up. For us, that that togetherness and that collaboration is superb in, in Bluefin. And that's when you extract that DNA. Like, are you happy for yourself and are you happy for your colleague? And will you help your colleague achieve what they want to do? That is the real DNA, I think. Yeah, for, for, for me, when, I'm, when, I, when I meet somebody who I know is right for bluefin and thankfully if you know we've had a few wins over the years it's um there's two things there's two things i i see bluefin people like that that's that's high energy um they they tend to be people with with you know, a, a genuine love for life and um and and genuine uh appetite to do the job of recruitment now you don't really have any kind of cynical lazy over the hill recruiters within bluefin do you no and i think that that is an amazing one actually and and, and thanks mate the yeah the, the passion for recruitment and doing the job um and sometimes i think the, the building blocks and the basics of recruitment are often forgotten if you can do that well and uh, yet yeah, energy and, and and passion uh is is a great way to do it but i think also just enjoy it just just in, enjoy what you enjoy what you do because um yeah working for high performing business you really have to enjoy it, otherwise you sit yeah. there going, what, "What am I doing here?" Yeah, yeah. So, so you mentioned briefly before the show. Obviously, I'm I, Pete knew more about this than me, but you you sold a part of the business. Was it five years ago? Did you say? Yeah. So yeah. So uh, James Hone, the, the, he was the the sole owner of the business. Yeah, sold it. Um, hmm. I think about four or five years ago. And uh, to be honest, it was one of the things that when he spoke to he spoke to me about it, so like, oh, okay. Uh, but to be honest. For me has not changed a single 
day of my life at, at, at Bluefin. And I what think the driving for it, do you know? Why, why did you do it? Well, obviously, lots of money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he's, no, not sold, he's not sold and left, though, has he? He's sold and. Oh, oh God. And he, like, there, well, who said it that well, one of the famous American actors, when he's holding his gun, saying, You'll prize this, prize this out of my cold, dead hands. That, I think that might be James Home when it comes to Bluefin. Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. No, so um, yeah, the the business was sold, and and James has played an absolute monumental part in his continued growth and continued success. Um, yeah, his his passion for Bluefin and, and the business um, still remains to this day as it was um, when I joined, um, and that's obviously an inspiration. But no, to be honest, I mean, it hasn't changed anything. Um, and when I when I talk to people who have worked for businesses that have been sold. I feel very, very lucky and very fortunate that for, for us and, you know, everyone who's worked for Bluefin this amount of time, it hasn't changed anything. In fact, it's probably galvanises more to go, right, we can go on to much, much bigger things. Um, but no, yeah, no, when, when the news came through, it sold and had that conversation, it was like, okay, well, let's just move on. It, it was fantastic. And yeah, since that day for me, as I said, yeah, nothing's really changed. Interesting. So before we get into the COVID stuff, what just, what I'm, what, what I'd like to know more about is your role and how how does it work running the the Victoria office of a, of a bigger business? Like, what's the sort of communication you have with your peers and and robust and, and honest? But but how often? How does it happen? Like, talk us through the, the structure at the top with you and the owner and the rest of people that run the the, the, the different offices. Yeah, so we've got James as CEO and, and then up in Sydney, uh, commercial director Rachel West, who has the worst and most horrible job that I could ever imagine working with three sales directors and then Sandy and Duncan who are my, who are my peers in, on, on the sales side look I mean I think the one thing I'll always say is um I think I said at the beginning one of the best things about Bluefin is just being able to have that honest and direct conversation and um and they run hugely successful teams as well so it's really good I'm an open honest dialogue I think yeah one of the one of the things that is really transparent is you could probably you know, you join a business and you go, oh my God, I'm competing with two, you know, ingrained sales directors. It just never, it never felt like that. Um, and it was a testament to, to the business. So yeah, well, we often, we, we, we make joint decisions on things that in, you know, impact the, the wider business. Um, you know, being in, being in Melbourne doesn't diminish the seat at the table when we have directors meetings and stuff like that. Um, yeah, coming back to another point, robust and honest. I mean, we've had, so we have some right ding dong conversations, but they're always with the, the, the best interest of the of the in, uh, best interest of the business at the heart. So, yeah, it's been, it, it's good, uh, and yeah, collaborating with with my fellow directors um, it is is fantastic. And you know, as how, regular, how regular do you guys get together? Obviously, pre COVID, would it be every month, every week? What would, what would yeah, we have a, a sort of a, a fortnightly director, you know, hook up a, a chat. But yeah, I'd be in, I would be in Sydney for six weeks. Um, and then those, uh, and then depending on some, one of the other directors would come down. But you know, like really physically involved, being in the office uh, up in Sydney is fantastic. Um, and that's yeah, that's what I think about Bluefin. It's not, it's not. There's two offices. It's you know, there's three or four directors, and we all we all push for the same thing, which is I say, you know, what's what's best for Bluefin. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, 
if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. Play for the logo is, is a phrase I've heard on many occasions. Like, and when someone isn't playing for the logo in your business, it's quite obvious that they don't, you know, they no longer should be there. Um, and I find that's quite common in recruitment, you know, especially with yeah, top billers. They very it's yeah. all about them. So Yeah, but at the same time as well, I mean, we've also got we've got three different business units that we're, that we're competing against. So it has to be it has to be honest and it has to be straight down the line. Yeah, got it, get it. So Tell us the story of, of 2020 then. What did the business look like for you in Melbourne in, say, January, February 2020? What was going on? What was what did it look like? How many people did you have? What was your plans like? Paint the picture. God, you need a big paintbrush. Um, yeah, no. So um, we were coming into the last quarter really, really, really strong, really strong. Like, And I think the, um, the previous six, so numbers, four, we'd hired a few new people into the business um they were finding the feet the billings were good we were really really accelerating into um quarter four uh and then of course this thing happened so we had a team of 15 15 or 16 um going really really well um uh and obviously you know we, we'd hired those new people at the beginning of the year so we anticipated okay well a bit of a lag at the beginning of the year let's drive it forward second half then going into the last last part was that we were on fire to be honest um, and yeah, and then then it sort of happened. The plans were were big and grandiose. They continued to hire. Um, we were actually looking at new offices, and all those plans were in uh, in, in play. Um, and then, you obviously, you know, as the the world knows, um, COVID happened. Um, how, did, how did it unfold for you? Can you remember how, where you? Were? It was, you know, it was really interesting. <laughs> and I, I've often, I've, I've, when I talk to the, the, the team stuff, it, it's, it unfolded quite for me, personally for me um, quite quite slowly. And you sit in there and you hear the news, right? I mean, I think we were in January. And, you know, see people at lunchtime, they'll be, oh, have you heard about this, you know, this thing that's happening? You're like, oh, I don't really pay much attention to that. And then sort of as it gets into February and March, you're like, oh, shit, this could actually be, this actually have, have an impact. And then it did. And it was a little bit like, okay, let's let's keep an eye on this. Let's keep an eye on it. And then it just it sort of hit. Um, and I remember I remember vividly being in, in um, a video conference with with my fellow directors and going, "This is actually a, a real thing now. This is something we need to deal with and deal with it deal with it pretty quickly." And of course, by the end of March, you know, you've got um, nobody in the office and the restrictions start to come in come into place. Uh, and you're still a little bit, a little bit like, well, this. Oh, I remember uh, Marie Ross, who who works with me, actually, Pete plays for me, one of my absolute uh, amazing recruiters. Was, was like, oh, left the office with, a, I think, a monitor under arm. So I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. And I think that was the general feeling at the time. It was like, well, whatever, this will this will blow over. Um, yeah. And I think, and I think that was probably more the people's mindsets about what we wanted to happen as opposed to the reality. Paul, can you can you tell me about? I'm I'm very curious because so Paul's boss James Hone is is famously unflappable, famously glass half full. I remember talking to him about the GFC when every other business in the world was was struggling. He was like, mm. nah, we, we we cruise through it. <laughs> was, was there a conversation with James Hone where you heard any fear in his voice? What what was his personal approach to it? Was was he panicked? Well, I, I think you, I think you've nailed it there, Pete. I, I think yeah, James is very unflappable. I think there was a, there was honest honest and serious conversations about what impact it could happen, but but not really. I think um, it was very much okay. We just have to deal with this now. We have to deal with it, and um, and uh, and certainly a direct level at Bluefin, there's no histrionics. It's like okay, this is what we have to deal with, and then immediately, and then you go, we have to deal with this, and then immediately your mindset goes to shit we employ 100 people yeah well what 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 do we do about them what do we do about that that is and, and like you, you could almost see it in the room in late march to like four five directors going this is uh, this is quite a big thing now so um, but no, I, I wouldn't say he was i wouldn't say he uh he he lost his call was uh, was unflappable but i think 
Um, there's maybe, I think, other people in the room are going, right, this is going to happen, it's going to happen now. And we're like, okay, well, let's let's deal with it. But I think by then it already, it almost already already happened. Um, but no, it was certainly he did he was he didn't move from unflappable to flappable. Um, it was more of a case of right. And James is yeah, James is obviously very positive stuff, but also very, very pragmatic. You know, these things are happening and, and yeah, but I think but by the time it the news had really hit and we started to, to move, I think within like 40 hours we had a plan, it was ready to ready to rock and roll. We wouldn't we weren't going, Oh my god, what do we do running around? It was like, well, this is happening, we need to actually deal with it right now. So what did you do? You, know, you, you just mentioned that you, there was a sudden, real, sudden realisation that you've got over 100 people working for you. Once you put all the strategies in place to get everybody home and get everybody you know, working remotely, mm. how did you then start reaching into the homes of the people um, who worked for you in different locations and, and put an arm mm. around them to make sure they were okay? Yeah, for me, it was um, it was the same thing I think I do like, physically there. I mean, you've got to treat everybody like as an individual. Um, and um, I'm sure both Sean and Pete, you've worked with people where you know this probably will impact them more than the, next, the, the person they sit next to. So you've got to treat it individually. But I think as well, it was it's acknowledgement, like this is what happening, but also this is what we're doing. But very early on, um, and we've got a great um, people and culture guy, uh, Jack McLean, and we were, we were talking about this thing called people first. Um, and for us, and certainly for me, that allowed me to literally put people first. It's like, this is what's going on. You are super important to the business. Um, and I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna say it, both of you, I was gonna say cliche then, but this has never happened before. Like, so we are dealing with this together. Like I've been through two recessions, you know, two GFCs. Uh, those were financially driven and you sort of know what you're gonna do with those. Like, this is, well, how are we gonna deal with this? We need to know, we know we need to find jobs and we know, to, we, know we need to fill them, blah, blah. But this was like a, a something that never even sort of came on my radar yeah so i think how we did it was just dealt with everybody very individually and be really honest it's like guys we know this is going to be it's going to be a bit tough but you know we'll bloop and we'll get we'll get we'll get through it but yeah it took a little while to understand how that how that how you do reach people because obviously you know um rocking up to an office every day and going right here we go guys let's go and let's go and go and do it is very different you know, i suppose to even what we're doing now over over a video screen um and I suppose you have to then understand how those people are going to interact with you. So some people at the beginning, I would never do a, a Zoom or a Teams call. It would always be over the phone because that's how they would react. And some people, other other people needed that that physicality of a, of a, of a video call. But it was all very individual, all very all very different. But at the same time, you know, you've got to. It's that acknowledgement. Like it's not like, hey, we're all working from home. It's going to be exactly the same as it was two weeks ago. Because nobody would nobody would believe that. I think that authenticity around like look, we're in this together now. Let's try to work out how we can do it. And uh, which go, but but that was all underpinned by our people first strategy, which is literally put people first. Were you, you, were you forced to make any decisions on people, let anyone go, anything like that? No, absolutely not. No, and that was a very very uh, powerful message um, that we had from from, from Bluefin and from James. Um, you know, even through you know, P mentioned the GFC is we didn't want to make people redundant and that wasn't that's not our business and that's not who we are our business is our people so we obviously had to go well how how do we do this and get and uh, uh, make the most out of it um and that's the balance isn't it i mean we're it's the recruitment so numbers and commercials and billings all that sort of stuff balanced out with um let's not be ourselves here and just like hang people out to dry because that's not a business and and we didn't we didn't and haven't made a, a person redundant during during this time and I feel very lucky and, and very blessed to us because, you know, talking to people in Melbourne and Pete would know the same thing. Um, there are businesses who have just jettisoned people and, and, and maybe not through any 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 fault of their own, but that's the decision I made earlier. But Bluefin was very much at the start. Nope, this is we're not going to do that. We are here in this together. So let's work out how we're gonna how we're gonna do it. We had reduced hours and and stuff like that at the at the start, but I think there was a real general consensus um when it all came in sydney melbourne and working from home and then of course when it was just you know melbourne went into that horrendous lockdown um yeah the business was still very much looking out for us going okay well we know you're going through this it, it was uh yeah it was it, it still feels a bit surreal to me i was talking about it now um but at the time it was like no let's just put our people first and just get get through it but not just get through it but how can we come out the back of this better than we went into it um, and that's a, a massive key message, I think, as well. 
What would the, how did your markets respond? What was the like? Because people we've had on here before talked clearly about like the percentages of drop revenue and rolls and all the rest of it. Did you see the same obvious big hit from from how your clients and candidates responded? Uh, in, in Victoria, yeah, absolutely. I think it's. I mean, and it, it and it's fantastic having you know a city head office where you look at them and going right, that's us next. That's what's coming up for us. But for us, certain certain desks and certain vehicles were were hit. You know. Mm-hmm. You could hear the tap, like being mm. being turned off, and other other others uh, did well. But I think the key thing about the sort of uh, the Melbourne market was the you know the close contact, the physicality. It really led to an un- un- uncertainty. You know, stuff like how many people are going to have in the office? How are we going to onboard people? What does our headcount even look like? So I think that for us was one of the things that we noticed straight away. Like, um, and Bluefin is a high high touch like, like personal business. We're going to meet a candidate. We're going to meet you face to face. We're going to take a job brief and meet a client. We're going to do it face to face. Then suddenly, that just was just whipped away from you. So that 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 was a probably one of the biggest challenges. You know, as we as you find as you trying to really find out a client requirement or what's going to drive a candidate. You know, video conferences are great, but you know, for me, nothing beats meeting someone face to face and really understand what makes them tick from both a, a client and a candidate perspective. But the markets, yeah, no, it was um. It felt slow, and then suddenly we came out of this like we we we're not going to be in lockdown forever. And then it was like the 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 hammer blow. I think for most people it was like bang, like July, you're not going anywhere. And then it, it became you're not going anywhere. Then you can come out for an hour a day if you're exercising or you're going to the shops. And by the way, you can't go more than five k's. So I think that was the one. And then when you sit there and go, that's that's a bit bonkers there. And I think that was the the second half, and um, where people were like, "Shit, this is actually, this is a real thing," you know. And a couple of the guys went into the office between like, um, you know, eight, uh, May and June. Like, this is fantastic, but yeah. Then that July thing, it was like, "Whoa." So, Paul, how did you, how did you go as a as a leader? How did you know? We, we talk about your 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 famous positivity and glass half full, but you, you you're also a human, and you would have had. Yeah bad days possibly if you're anything like me dark days how do you how do you front a business um when when you're when you're panicked when you're worried when you've got you know you think about your family and your job and your income you know how, how do you front a business with that positivity i think for me it, it was it was it was quite easy because that's how i wanted to deal with it um and it wasn't like oh my god put something in the cupboard and forget about it um, but for me, what it was, and this is this is absolutely it's a true story. Don't thank God for that. It was I um I didn't and um uh, and I was a uh, you know a teacher. I've lost all of it. What um, you said, and those things that put it in perspective for me. Um, Paul, we and then that actually allowed me. Can you hear us, Paul? We lost everything you said Ooh, there. Sorry, no, like, so for, me, it, yeah, um, for me, it was the... Uh, okay. For me, okay. For me, it was um, the remote learning of my 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 kids. So I've got three kids. Right. Um, and that put it all into perspective for me. Like, you know, full-time recruitment director, full-time dad, and full-time teacher. And actually enhanced my my feeling that I, my responsibility for not only my kids, but for the people that, you know, that worked for me um and god yeah you get frustrated you and 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 wasn't it was more like what is actually going on so you questioned like this is bonkers and then you go back to well this never happened before and then i walk downstairs and my six-year-old is talking japanese to me like well the world is all right actually isn't it um if i've got these three little human beings who have been taking away from you know their school and need to understand what they're doing uh then the least i can do is be there for you know 12 other human beings that probably need my help and support more than anything else. So that's what I, that's why I viewed it. And yeah, of course, it's tough and you had questions about what was going on. I don't think I ever panicked. It was just more about what's next. It was almost like, what's next? What's next? What's yeah. next? And then you just have to, have to, have to deal with it. And I, I sang a lot at home. Uh, and by the way, Pete, my kids agree that I can't sing either. You can't sing. <laughs> 
<laughs> really got. Did you manage to keep this kind of smile up throughout that period? Because you 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 strike me as someone who is you just keep finding humor in things. So did you manage to do that through that like that extended yeah. lockdown? So annoying, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I did, and and it, it was it was genuine. I would always find something that would um, that would always amuse me, and or or, or you know keep me going. Uh, and I think one of the uh, one of the key things that I always find is like it's not it doesn't mask anything. It's not like saying, "Oh my God, I'm you know walking along and and the world is fine." But I think for me, that's looking focusing on the positive, but underneath that, having a real conversation, and and you know I've been very lucky to to you know lead a group of exceptional people during these times and um and the the, the stresses and strains that um you know people who you employ you do feel responsible for them um in, in and and really responsible you know and you know, i'm i'm a dad and i've got you know mums and dads who work in the recruitment business and you think about what they're going through but ultimately you have to elevate that thinking and go we are going to come out of this in in a really really strong way but it's acknowledging it and it's never diminishing what's going on um but it's also yeah you have to you sort of have to smile about it um and it's not a fake smile it's like do you know what christ what what is next um and then and then and then deal with it but at the same time having real honest conversations you know and i, and I, I said i really feel really really strongly about you know seeing people who are who are normally really gregarious and outgoing and love being around people you know that that phrase a social butterfly and they're in their apartment by themselves for 23 hours a day um and i i know i've got a family and it was easier for me mm. to be honest and i was very lucky for that but then i was trying to put myself in other people's shoes going if i if i can be happy and help you do what you want to do and put positivity on it then that's exactly what i'm gonna I'm gonna do but yeah yeah you have those you have those moments and you're like jesus fucking christ like how on earth am i going to do my job because normally as i think pete said earlier on when i spoke to him is like you 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 rock into the office and you're energetic and you're bouncing around right guys what's going on today what's going to land what deals are we going to do who are we going to go and see and then you're doing that over a screen and then sometimes technology fails or you know your internet goes or you like happened as a minute ago you can't hear what somebody said and that that connection was was you know was really difficult to to maintain. But again, I said I was very lucky. I had the, the guys and girls who worked for me did some amazing things about reconnection. So that really helped me as well drive the drive the business forward. But yeah, very unique. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you don't, for me, I felt like I was quite positive through the through the whole thing. Um, but with the caveat, you know, like this is a bit shit as well. Paul, do you think um, do you think your team, because because you you have gone through something unique, and, and none of you in your professional careers have gone through what we've just gone through? Do you think that will make your your team, your business, um, come through this stronger? Uh, as, undoubtedly, as a unit? Un- undoubtedly, undoubtedly, and I think that's you know when you look at the the you know you look at the I suppose the positive things that have happened out the back of this, this is absolutely the number one thing. I mean, I mean. No one else can say, "Oh my God, we sat through." Like, some some people did not see their colleagues for almost nine months. Yet we went and had a re- we we went and had a beer and a and a, and a lunch. Yeah, we we called it reconnection lunch. And people were like, "Oh my God, this is amazing. This is what I we this is what we missed." Paul, I walked out of my office in March the seventeenth, I think it was. I yeah. shut the door on shut the door on a Thursday night, on a you know five days a week in in the London office. Um, I now live in Manchester. I don't even live in London anymore. Um, I've got staff in Barbados. I've got staff in South Africa now. I've got staff in Texas now. I've got people that have moved to rugby and Birmingham. And I've not seen, I've not met about seven or eight of my team ever. And I've mm. got about, yeah, I've got about five or six that I've not seen since that day. And it, I mean, there's so many pros to this whole digital economy that I do, I do love, but there's, there's a massive void as well. There's a huge void in there that, um, wow. you know, it's about sure, trying that's, to- that is a, a, a void. And I think, um, uh, and people talk about productivity, working from home, but I think, um, you know, as the UK is going through, you know, like this was forced upon us hmm. and it wasn't like, and, and then we had some people in the office who work from home, you know, maybe once or, or, or twice a month or whatever, but this is like, 
one day we were all in the office and the next day we weren't. And I understand that there's a grit, and I'm a big fan of flexibility and, you know, understanding you can work from in and around. But I think, you know, the difference was that you experienced you walking out, it's like, I'm in the office and then, then I'm not. It's not my choice. It's not my choice. Yeah, it wasn't a plan, was it? That was, that was one of the weirdest things that I had to explain to people. Like, this is a four situation. It's like, you know, and some people were going, actually, I really like working from home and, and it's fantastic. And But the positivity, I think, Sean, you're talking about, it, it has brought a level of flexibility and understanding around productivity in, in the workplace um, that perhaps we would not have realised for, for years yeah. unless our, our hand was forced, I suppose. So what's the, what does it look like now in your business? So tell us, how, how does the working week go about now you guys are back to bloody normal, which makes me feel a little... Well, we say, we say normal, so we're still at a... Um, it's weird. I mean, I've... I've during this whole eight nine months I've been many things but one of the things I'm definitely not as an interior decorator so what you have to do in Melbourne is put posters up around you know um COVID safe and washing hands all this sort of stuff so we're we're only um we can only have eight people in the office at, at the moment uh which is which is strange so we rostered on and on and off um which is weird because you can go to the pub and have a pint and do all that sort of stuff but no it, it's um it's one of those situations where everyone's raring to get back but it's like like how and how and how and when so uh for only for the next couple of months eight people in the office um so yeah being a roster and doing roll call is interesting right. having the temperature check when you walk in is all very all very new but um yeah we're trying to mix it up in terms of teams coming in and people working with each other but it's still a bit unique um in in, in that way but it feels uh, for me personally it feels so much better just walking to the office and and having a laugh with somebody and as you know, somebody who's you know is leading the business, and my managers say the same things. Like you pick up something so quickly if somebody's on the phone or somebody's doing something, you would never pick up if you weren't in the office with them. Hmm. So I think there's there's little bonuses and stuff like that. But it's it's feels like it's on its way to normal, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but there is a long way to go, and it's a, it will be it will be a process. And I think one thing that we probably won't knows you know as, as as businesses how this thing will impact people long term no and that's a real important thing to you know to consider we we employ human beings with human feelings uh and somebody might go, i can't wait to get back to work i've been locked in my bedroom for eight months then suddenly you're amongst a whole group of recruiters are going yeah let's get on it where are you know let's celebrate and you're like well that's just a bit weird and a bit overwhelming you know and and some of those strange things like somebody making a phone call like i've been in my you know, my study or my bedroom or walking around my house by myself, making a call. And then the next thing you know, you're in a team full of office full of eight people and they're on the on the phone call going, well, this is a bit, this is a bit weird, isn't it? Like, is there, are, is people listening to it? Back like when you were first in recruitment when you're 21 yeah. years old, going, is this shit sales call? But okay. I think that normal will, 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 will come back. I, I have no doubt as it will around the world. But yeah, it feels good to be on that, on that way to normal. Like it. Pete, Melbourne right now, what's the COVID situation? You're, you're my, like, COVID update every week. Is it still no cases? Is it starting to climb again? What's going on? Honestly, do you know what? I don't even – I'm not – I used to, I used to check, the, um, I used to check the, the, the COVID cases daily. I, I was quite obsessed with them for a point. I think we all were. Um, but now I don't even look because I assume that if we have a case, it'll be headline news. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think what are we? Are we zero for like? Is, is it five weeks? Four weeks? It's just. Uh, it's probably like almost close to forty days. I would imagine something like that. Yeah. That's really? what I find a bit odd about the whole social distancing, COVID secure stuff. Because if you do not have the virus in your state and you do not let anyone in or out, there's no way you don't need to be. I know. I guess you're preparing for when the world opens a bit more and people are coming in and out and the free movement. But yeah, you kind of temperature checking and keeping apart when you can't give someone something if it ain't there like you can't invent it so um yeah no, it's one of those things i mean and uh you know and and uh, i know melbourne's had headlines all around the world for you know one of the severest lockdowns but yeah no and i think yeah it's that that feeling coming back is like if there was a case now i think people would go yeah okay we, we we've got the right mechanisms to to deal with it but when it happened at the time no, obviously it wasn't. It was, you know, it, nowhere near as course as many cases as, as somewhere around the world. But it was devastating to people. Oh my God, we've got this. Let's just ban down the hatches and 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 say. And you know, we're in Australia where people are really proud of this space and the movement and you know the weather and doing that sort of stuff. 
it felt you know at the time like oh my god this is very surreal but as pete says i mean if we have a case now it would probably make the uh, you know make the news headlines but well, yeah, obviously i didn't go through it but i did talk to my, the melbourne clients every week through it and i don't know you've got to be i guess you're sat there grateful now that you did go through that because you're in a much better place whereas everyone else is still right in the thick of it and um have you got family still in the UK that you talk to regularly and keep in touch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, my, uh, shout out to my mum. She's a she's a she's a nurse, um, so she's been at the front line of this all, all the time. Uh, and uh, absolutely, my inspiration. You know, if I have a bad day, you know, one of my guys' deals falls out. You know, she's at the front the front line. A and E nurse. I'm like, I've got nothing to make. But you know, it's good. To, it's yeah, it's interesting to 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 talk to people back in 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 the UK and, and the situation and what's going on. And yeah. For us now in Melbourne, it's a bit surreal to see something else happening across the other side of the world, knowing that we went went through it. But you know, it's um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a challenge time, but you know, it's something that we got through, and I'm sure everyone else will do as well. And that's that, that's something that keeps getting overlooked, isn't it? The um, the the, the number I, I still, even though I'm a rector egg and have been for many years, I don't know the percentage, but I, I reckon fifty percent of recruiters in Australia are from the UK. Um, and some of those people won't have seen their families and won't be seeing their families for, yeah, could be like yep. eighteen months. Yep, I would say that's probably one of the biggest, um, one of the, um, the biggest things that we've got to be aware of, particularly in our industry in recruitment. As you say, Pete, a high percentage of people in recruitment in, in Australia are, are from England, um, mm. and so what's happening over there at the moment is devastating. You can't travel back, and you know all that sort of stuff. So that's another another real layer that we all have to you know considered with you know friends and family back home um yes you know one of those things you just have to really be aware of and you know support your staff if you know whenever they, they need that support i think to round this up because we are we're, we're, we're literally finishing time is someone's just commented um joy has put thanks so much enjoy the upbeat conversation and what's next approach on linkedin live thank you joy and um one thing i've loved about it this conversation paul is your is your kind of your your your, your jovial sense but it's not like you say. It's not like you're just joking about things. You you genuinely are have tried to look at the the world in a, in a positive place, and and I think that's where we're all trying to be now. I think I can tell you firsthand on the ground in the UK, people are pretty positive. Like on mm. the whole, you know, this it doesn't feel like the first wave. This the vaccines coming through. We had the first person in the world be vaccinated this week. Like it's all right. Like it, it, I'm well surprised by the. The recruitment landscape I service are just absolutely up for it. Like they're all, they're hiring yeah. again. Like I, a couple of my other clients are Rector in the UK, and they're like, you know what, we're busier than we were pre-COVID. Now everyone's pushing. Um, so I absolutely believe 2021 is going to be an amazing year. I think there's going to be different problems through Brexit and you know tax changes and all the rest of it. But based on what we can control, which is daily activities, seeing people, play, making placements, whatever your your business is, I think it's going to be a cracking year. It's going to be a really good year. Um, yeah, and um, we, we, uh, fun thing for us. So we, we talk about our 2021 launch pad, and that's exactly what it is because I think anyone in any industry, regardless of recruitment, whatever, who's been through this year and can look forward with a positive attitude will, will do amazingly well. Um, yeah. yeah, And it's been one of those years, and uh, you see the memes and all that sort of stuff and people joking around on Facebook and LinkedIn. But if you've come through this year and you can hold your head up high, I mean, that's uh, anyone who could do that should be very proud of themselves. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I've really enjoyed the chat, Paul. Thank you so much for... No, for thank you. Pleasure. It's been awesome. If anyone wants to, if anyone in the UK or Australia does want to reach out to you and just ask you any questions, pick your brains, you're open to that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, always. Any, uh, are you happy to give any kind of singing singing lessons or anything along those lines? Uh, uh, not lessons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel all okay. My, I think my mobile numbers on my 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 mobile numbers on my LinkedIn. If you call me, I'll I promise I'll answer with a song. Should we Should we sign off with a little duo? Something Something to give give the people what they want? No, no. What they want? What they want? Absolutely love it. Well, look, yeah, it's Good. been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much, and no it's worries, been great to meet you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. No worries, Pete. Always a pleasure, mate. We got one more. Um, together next week, we've got Stella in in uh, in Sydney. I believe Sydney, isn't she? Um, she is in Sydney. Yeah, with yeah. The, the very exciting story to tell us of the the recent merger with. Uh, so Rio has joined forces with Cox Pertel to form Rio Pertel. 
Yeah, yeah, very, very excited to see. Fella, uh, Stella is a force to be reckoned with, I believe. That's that's how I would describe her. Um, my Tuesday guest is up in the air, so I've had a few changes, a few people let me down. So um, I can't confirm who I've got on Tuesday, but I will be I will be joined by um, a UK recruitment owner who is um, of... Who's got a great story? I always, I always find these people somehow. They come out of the woodwork. Um, but I always ask if you're listening on LinkedIn Live, if you're listening on YouTube or on the podcast, um, I hope you've enjoyed today. I hope you've enjoyed Paul's story. And if you believe that, you know, we all know other people in this sector, if you know there's someone else that would benefit from just hearing such an upbeat version of what's gone on, then please share it. Get it in WhatsApp, text, email, whatever. Share this message. We need more people listening because together, um, we all believe the industry will be stronger. Um, so I'll be back again on Tuesday at 2 p.m. UK time. In the meantime, you stay safe and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online, and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.